Hello and welcome. UVA Speaks is a podcast of Lifetime Learning, a division of the Office of Engagement at the University of Virginia. Lifetime Learning brings the knowledge and expertise of UVA's faculty to the university's alumni, friends, and families. My name is Susan Lynch, and I am the Associate Director of Lifetime Learning at the University of Virginia's Office of Engagement. This podcast features J.T. Bachman, Assistant Professor in the School of Architecture at the University of Virginia. He is a registered architect and co-founder and principal of Office of Things, an architecture collaborative that explores construction and transformation of the built environment. In this podcast, Professor Bachman will talk with us about a current project called Waste Not, Want Not that seeks to reimagine and reuse old and discarded goods and materials. So thank you, Professor, for speaking with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really excited to to be here. And uh, uh, it's a pleasure. Great. Thank you. So first, before we get into discussing your project, can we start with sort of a discussion of the problem that you are seeking to solve with this project? Sure. So um, as a country, we send a lot of material to the landfill and much of it is really good, high quality stuff, Um, stuff that I believe uh, still holds a lot of value. And oftentimes it gets discarded because there may not be value for the individual or the entity who's throwing away at that moment. Um, But there's certainly maybe value there for somebody else. And there's definitely value for us all collectively. It's simply just in our best interest to not throw away usable resources, um, particularly non-renewable ones. And so I think good material ends up in the landfill for a variety of reasons. Some of it's just not recyclable. Sometimes it's due to a lack of access to recycling, or sometimes materials just take too long to sort and clean. And so it's no longer something that makes economic sense. Um, it's just more trouble than it's worth. And so Unfortunately, other times these materials just end up in landfills as a result of laziness or consumer culture or a lack of good information on how to dispose of things properly. So um, regardless of the reason, as a designer, um, I see a lot of great material just getting buried in the ground, and I see a lot of potential for what it could still become. Um, So to get back maybe a little bit to the second part of your question, uh, the scale issue I think is really difficult to wrap your head around because the numbers are just so huge. Um, So in my class, I had my students guess at some, you know, waste generation statistics. And it ended up kind of being like trying to guess how many jelly beans can fit inside of a swimming pool or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, so for instance, you know, according to the EPA stats, which they, the latest that they've uh, released have been from 2018. In the US, we throw away 292 million tons of trash and about half of that ends up in a landfill um but that number is just so large that it's impossible to to really comprehend how much volume that is um so one way to maybe help think about it for me at least that um is that it equates to about a ton one ton per person per year uh and so for for me myself i weigh close to about 200 pounds and so according to this data, I produce about the trash equivalent of 10 me's every year. Um, and that's a waste, not even volume. So that exercise or thought exercise can help bring it back down to earth for me a little bit more. Um, and it makes it quite personal, but it's also just a lot of trash. So um, the, the other thing is that's just municipal solid waste, which you can think of as kind of like residential waste or just the stuff that gets picked up by garbage and recycling trucks from the curb. Um, 
It doesn't account for things like construction and demolition debris, which is another 600 million tons. So it's double that figure or things like industrial waste or hazardous waste and many other forms of waste, so agricultural, um, so on. And so once you start to add it all up, we're, we're easily over a billion tons of waste uh, and or byproducts of the things that we consume. So all the little things that just support the way that we live. Um, and in my, in my mind, once we're talking billions to me, it's like really impossible to just even begin to wrap your head around that kind of scale. Thank you for that context. And you're right. It is kind of hard to wrap your mind around it. I know for me personally, I'm trying to decide whether I should clean out my peanut butter jar. <laughs> yeah. Do I use I mean, all the water to clean out my peanut butter jar? And I have yeah. this like thing going on in my head as to whether I should do that or not. Water versus the product itself. And, and then I get stymied by all of it. And it's hard to know how to move forward. But <laughs> yeah, it's easy to reach a crisis moment, you know, every time that you have to... <laughs> You know, make a call like that. It feels like that sometimes. Thank you so much for that context. So now, can you tell us about your project, um, Waste Not, Want Not? Yeah. So um, this past summer, I received a research grant from the School of Architecture um, that I titled Waste Not, Want Not. And um, at its core, the goal is to reduce the amount of material that goes to landfill. Um and big picture wise, there's a lot of ways to do this, all sorts of ways to do this. Um, and there are a bunch of amazing people in the UVA community in Central Virginia, as well as nationally and globally, who are doing really, really great work in this space and at a really vast scale. Um, but for me, as a reminder, I'm not in the recycling waste or the waste management industry. I'm I'm an architect and a designer. And so that's the lens that uh, through which I know how to approach this problem. Uh, and so for me, the way that I'm trying to chip away at it is by reprocessing these discarded materials and transforming them either into new building material prototypes or uh, what I'm calling long-lasting functional objects. Um, just uh, things that can give something a second life, uh, hopefully for a long time and keep it out of the landfill. So this grant allowed me to do things like hire a research assistant, purchase some equipment, build connections to local makers and industry partners. Um, who have inherent waste streams, uh, and also to meet with waste management professionals within both within the university and, and the larger community. Um, and it also just provided me, you know, time and funding to experiment with a lot of different materials and processes. And so far, we've tested a lot of different things. So anything from, you know, um, polystyrene foam or things like styrofoam to plastic grocery bags, sawdust, concrete, um, really you name it. Uh, we're kind of just reaching far and wide at the moment. Um, and we've made a bunch of material samples, um, small pieces of furniture, things like side tables and stools, um, and other smaller objects that were just quick and could serve as a proof of concept. Um, we've had a few successes, uh, a lot of failures along the way. Um, but as architects and as designers, we're constantly exploring ways to um, synthesize both space and material along with many other factors in our designs. But in a lot of ways, materials are kind of like the ingredients um, that we can combine together to, to achieve various results and qualities, things like texture. So something's rough or smooth or bumpy or soft or squishy, or you can kind of imagine, you know, the warmth and the grain of a wood floor versus something like a smooth, cool concrete slab. Um, materials just provide us ways to control things like light and dark. We can use materials to open up views or create privacy, um, you know, to control 
things like acoustics or thermal comfort. They can serve as structure or as like a finished material. Um, you know, they can be purely ornamental or they can be really functional and pragmatic. There's just such a range um, to explore with materials. And, um, you know, somewhere along the way of, of this material exploration process, we kind of realized that we wanted to make something a little bit bigger than a piece of furniture. Um, and also something that could benefit somebody and, and fill a need somewhere. So what we ended up designing kind of at the end of the summer was a small, um, uh, what we called a respite pod for a playground at a local school. And the idea was to create a small space that, you know, one or two children could retreat to if they wanted to escape the higher energy environment of the playground. Um, and we ended up making this out of a bunch of scrap wood that we sourced from all sorts of places and cleaned up uh, in the wood shop. And uh, as well as a few or a handful of um, these PET plastic sheets um, that we used as sort of kind of pseudo shingles. Um, but these were left over from when the age school fabrication lab was uh, producing face shields for the frontline workers during COVID. Uh, and so we just had stacks and stacks of them that we were trying to figure out what to do with them. Uh, and we and we found a way to integrate them into this little pod. So uh, we were really happy with how it turned out. And we've received a lot of great feedback so far. Interesting. Um, so I understand, uh, as you mentioned, you're searching for and working with uh, local industries to obtain waste materials. So can you tell me some about uh, those connections and the materials um, you'll be working with this semester? Yeah, um, so this is a pretty new venture for me. It's a pretty new project. Um, and I've not been in Charlottesville for all that long. Um, so a lot, a lot of time this summer was spent just trying to connect the dots with folks in the area who make things, but also who make things that up in large quantities at like a pretty big scale. Um, and in general, it's just really, really hard to make anything without some sort of waste stream or byproduct. Um, and so some waste streams have an obvious use or an application, but others uh, less so. And so I met with a, you know, anyone from woodworkers to people in the concrete and stone business, contractors, etc. Um, and for the most part, what I found that is if you can make it convenient for people, they are pretty happy to let you take stuff off their hands um, because otherwise they have to pay to get rid of it. Um, but also more importantly, I also sense that people are genuinely pretty excited about the prospect of giving these materials a second life instead of just sending them to the landfill. Um, but also for me, connecting with industry is helpful because the materials that I can receive from them comes in predictable quantities and at a pretty consistent level of quality. Um, they're usually also pretty clean because they're not mixed in with other forms of waste. And so, um, I mean, on the flip side of things, I'm naturally always wrestling with space constraints. So I can't just start, you know, hoarding every material that somebody <laughs> throws away. Um, and so this kind of also just gives me the closest thing to kind of an on-demand sort of setup. Um, and so this summer was really, um, instrumental for me and a great opportunity to test this workflow out myself and, you know, build some relationships, lay some groundwork uh, before asking my students to go and do it on their own this fall um, in my course. So. So your students will be uh, going out to industry and, and different people to try and find these kinds of materials as well. Yeah, hopefully they won't have to do too much cold calling, but um, that's the idea is that they would kind of, carry on some of this work that we started doing over the summer 
Um, and to get to your specific, your, your other question, part of your question about specific materials, um, the hope is to really let the students sort of follow their own interests um, in terms of what materials they want to explore. Um, I am going to challenge them to choose materials that are difficult or expensive or, you know, challenging to either reuse or recycle. Um, but each student will kind of work through uh, a four-week material testing and analysis phase, followed by about three weeks or so where they'll share their findings with another with one another via workshops in our fabri fabrication lab. Um, and then at the end, they will have about a month or so to design and procure and fabricate their final project, which, again, could be any uh, really a building material prototype or what I'm, you know, calling a long-lasting functional object. So. Um, as long as they give their material a second life, keep it out of the landfill for this foreseeable future, um, that's sort of a win for us. I think we're hoping to have a gallery or exhibit kind of thing during the last week of class to share our projects and, and what the students made with our various collaborators and um, local partners and any folks along the way who helped us source materials. So um, we're looking forward to that. should be exciting. Yeah, I've had an opportunity to um, go to the fabrication lab. And it's it's very interesting, all of the different uh, uh, machines that are available and all of the different things that can come out of that lab. It's very interesting and something that um, I did have a podcast with, with one of the, Melissa Goldman, one of the. Oh, yeah, uh, she's great. Yeah, she's she was she was great to learn more about the, the A schools fabrication lab. So yeah, she's been instrumental in, in helping us kind of get this up and running and helping us connect the dots with people in the area. She's just a wealth of wealth of information so yeah she's been around for for quite some time and her connections i remember her talking about connections with engineering and other schools across grounds and 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 how that can be leveraged so that's great yep. so you mentioned a little bit but um sort of what kind of projects do you hope to make this semester and and you've also mentioned a little bit about this but what is the sort of the broader message that you want to convey with this course and and the work that will come out of it yeah, so um, in terms of what the students make, um, I don't really care too, too much what it is, if it's a lamp or a stool or, you know, a garment or whatever, uh, as, as much as I hope that they are able to give something another life and hopefully a long one. Um, and if they can make something useful for themselves or for somebody else, then that's even better. Um, and, and if they can, you know, find a way to close a loop on a given material, then that's, you know, huge. Um, so. I'm kind of just letting them run with it and explore and see where they go. Um, in terms of the the larger message, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a realist about things, so I recognize that in the grand scheme of things, the amount of material that you know I or the students are going to be able to divert uh, as part of this is 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 small compared to what many others are doing, and it's a tiny drop in the ocean um, relative to the larger issue at hand. Uh, but my hope is that through, you know, exploration, thoughtful design, knowledge sharing, and things like storytelling, that the idea can catch on in more places and eventually become more mainstream. Um, I'm definitely not the first person to do this. Um, but I do believe that the more young designers who take this up as an integral part of their work uh, through the way they either approach design um, or just think about problems and the more leverage we'll have to make real change in, in the future and the better position we'll all be for whatever the future holds. Yeah, perhaps just proofs of concept kind of thing. And, and you never know where a student might take it 
and exactly. where, where their career might take them. Um, yeah. A seed might have been planted. <laughs> exactly. That's the course. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. And, and and finally, as I mentioned, you're you're a practicing architect. You've mentioned that too. And can you tell us about your work with your company, Office of Things? Yeah. Yeah. So we're um, a collective of architects who uh, are currently scattered around the states. Um, there are two of us here in Charlottesville, um, two in New York City, and one in Chicago. Um, and we all met in graduate school, and we've always loved working together. Um, we first collaborated outside of school back in 2015, and we've been very fortunate to be able to continue to do that ever since. Um, and our work spans anything from residential projects to immersive digital environments and uh, built installations and large office spaces. Um, but one aspect of our work that we kind of take a lot of pride in is that we try to bring sense of joy and wonder to spaces that are either mundane or kind of everyday spaces or or overlooked spaces. And so my hope is that, you know, this research with Waste, Waste Not, Want Not um, here at UVA can kind of pull that same ethos into our work at, at the material level. Okay, interesting. So thank you so much. Um, and really, thank you, Professor Bachman, for sharing this information, you know, about your project. And I, I think it's important for all of us to think about recycling and reusing materials and sort of what that means for sustainability at large. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and expertise with UVA's alumni, friends, and families. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is really fun. Great. And thank you for listening for upcoming podcasts and other lifetime learning programming, recordings, and blogs. Please visit our website at engagement.virginia.edu forward slash learn. You can also find our podcast on the Virginia Audio Collective, which is a network of UVA podcasts hosted by WTJU Radio and can be found at virginiaaudio.org. So thanks again, and we look forward to you taking part in future lifetime learning programs.